Sunji, hi there, and welcome everybody to yet another edition of the Topical City podcast. It's just three Etty lads fighting over imaginary points while discussing all things Manchester City. I'm your host today. My name's Richard. Hopefully you've become accustomed to my bassy, bassy voice by now. And we're recording this the morning of the Everton game. So it's on the Sunday morning. We're not going to review or talk about anything Everton related in this just because it hasn't happened yet. And there's no point in previewing it because we'll just reveal how wrong we were after the fact. <laughs> so let's get right in. Um, I've got with me today the usual Etty lads. First up, it's the guy who lost out on his Aguero bet. It's James. How are you, James, mate? Uh, it's tough today, mate. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the match and just been thinking about Aguero ever since I woke up at like half six. It's, uh, it's going to be an emotional day, I think. Are you thinking about him in terms of, obviously, it's his last Premier League game, potentially even his last game for Manchester City, or the fact that he cost you points and caused you to drop down the Etsy lads' table? <laughs> um, I knew what I was getting into with that, didn't I? Um, and I think, listen, I got up this morning and thought I, I, I owe him some some of my time just to watch back through compilations. I watched the last 10 minutes of 9320. I've watched a couple of interviews with him and fucking hell, like, he can take all my points off me. Like, he's, he's done enough, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wreck this morning. No, I know exactly what you mean, mate. We will be doing at some point a Sergio Aguero specific podcast, but. I just feel like right now, one, I don't think we've really got the time, but two, I think that he may still have something to some part to play in the Champions League final. It could be, couldn't be, but we'll get onto that a little bit later in the pod. I am, of course, also joined today by Cameron. How are you, Cam? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful Sunday morning. It's, we're going to watch Manchester City play later today, but we're all just really upset because it's Sergio Aguero's final game for the club. I, I think I, it's not quite hit me as hard just yet because, like you say, there is the Champions League final and I am sure he's going to score in it. But it isn't great. To, to, he's gonna, I wonder if the TV coverage is going to show the speech or if they're just going to cut it off if he does a speech, that is, at the, at the stadium. Mm. It's going to be a difficult one, isn't it? Because he won't say much, will he? I am so happy with my time. (laughs) It's not David Silva. (laughs) By the way, guys, have you seen the mural that's been done of him outside a lot of it? Yeah. What did you think of it? I love it. I've seen the the picture of him where he looks like he's his old penis. It's pretty funny. The sentiment's fantastic, and I am going to get my picture taken with it. It's just down the road from me, so I'm going to go out my way to do that in a little bit. But yeah, I think it could have been. <laughs> there could have been some sort of Sergio Aguero facial features consultant on that <laughs> when they were doing it. But I mean, why don't you take our mind off Sergio Aguero and talk us through the Etihad's table, mate? Oh, okay. One second, I will get it up. So these are the sweet, sweet imaginary points that we're fighting for every single week. Well, we say there's not much fighting in, for me and James at the moment because okay. um, <laughs> we're not doing that well. Uh, but uh, last I saw, I am, I was rock bottom by myself, but James has kindly joined me down there. Solid, uh, I really the last do. couple of games. Uh, 
Dan, who has played two podcasts out of a possible 13 at this point, is second. Uh, and Richard is seven points clear at the top of the table. So I am expecting a very big bet on the Champions League final just to make it a little bit interesting, but we'll see what happens. I was going to say you two have got an entire week now before the final game of the season to come up with a bet that can try and get you to that top spot. Well, I've got I am the myself. Sergio Aguero one, and I? So <laughs> I think I'm going to be even worse off. So what's your Sergio Aguero bet than me? That he'll win us the Champions League final. That he's going to score the winning goal, yeah. Yeah. And how many points is that going to get you? It's worth five, which will swing me up to one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We should absolutely just fuck off everything that's gone beforehand. And we each have one big bet on it, and whoever wins it ends up winning the league. Just to, yeah, it's like every game show in history. Like the final round just yeah. renders all previous yeah. rounds completely <laughs> pointless. I was gonna say I'm not gonna be a coward. I am going to put a big bet on before the final. So so potentially you guys could win that, but it's probably not. It's only going to be a three point swinger, I think. So if you guys want to. Uh, if you want to come up with something that can get you just beyond maybe two, I mean, I might lose points today or the, in the Champions League final and the team predictions, who knows? But we'll get to that in a little bit. Before we go ahead with part one of today's podcast, why don't we have a little bit, bit of a Ruben Diaz loving? He's been the football writers player of the year, right? Not the actual players player of the year. Yeah. Um, Is it well deserved? What do you guys think? 100%, but um, I'm fairly certain this means Luke Shaw wins player of the year or something like the actual <laughs> PL player of the year or something like that. I, I think you can't underestimate how important he's been all season, can you? Um, I, I've seen people try and play him down, even though he's had the exact same effect on us that Van Dijk had on Liverpool when he showed up. He's just showed up a defence that, that, that just wasn't up to stuff. Uh, people are already trying to play him down and it's just like, well, you did the same thing about your defender like, like two years ago. I don't understand where you're coming from with this, but it's fully deserved because we wouldn't be in the place that we are if he hadn't joined. Plain and simple, we probably wouldn't have won the league. Um, so, yeah, it, it's perfectly deserved. I completely agree. Um, I, I'm actually just halfway through an interview at the minute with um, I watching an interview that Rio Ferdinand did with Guardiola and then Diaz um, and he'd previously interviewed Stones as well and something that Stones and Guardiola both say is how Diaz makes the players around him better and he's not just thinking about himself or his defence, he's thinking about the defensive midfielders or you know the, the whole team um, and one of the things he, Diaz says in his interview because uh, Rio says to him that you know what what is it about you? What is it about you that makes you know makes the team better, makes the players better? Is this something that you consciously do? And he says, I, I just I just want the team to be better, and I want that if if a mistake is made, that you don't go and criticise that guy. You say the team's got you. You know, it's it's about the collective. Yeah. I'm massively paraphrasing there, but I think that's such a positive spin on, you know, you've seen plenty of plenty of players and. Plenty of angry DMs, centre backs over the years. They like Stuart Pearce when he was at left back for us, like just screaming in people's faces if things didn't go right. And this is the, it, it, it's like a, a positive reinforcement type of leading. And 
again, even probably a little bit different to company and a very different leader to the, what we've had in the likes of David Silver over the last couple of years as well. He seems like the modern leader that's going to be dragging everyone forward. And that's not even mentioning his actual performances. I think that's how important he's been to change the culture of this team in less than a season. I think that PSG performance will live long in the memory, won't it? <laughs> that, that's the epitome. If you were to look back on the season and think what one game describes it best, it's that yeah. PSG second leg game. Well, he's, he is without a doubt that should be the player of the season. I don't want to sound like Alan Shearer here or anything, but if he, he probably has to do it for two years in a row for Manchester City, I think for us to start talking about him as like the future captain and stuff like that, because we don't want to be in a situation where he's a like, Van Boyton or whatever, but I love Van Boyton. I think City fans have just got a massive affinity for a decent centre back. Yeah, <laughs> it probably explains why Richard Dunn won Player of the Year so many times. <laughs> so if we go through previous players of the season um, who won it for Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken, it was won by Liverpool players three years in a row back to back: Mo Salah, Van Dijk, and Jordan Henderson. Is that right? I think, yeah, I think the football writers play it, yeah. I'm not sure about Salah, but I know Van Dijk and Henderson won it, yeah. He had that big goal. So he Salah won because of the big goal-scoring season. Van Dijk won because of his transformative effects in the defence. And uh, Henderson won because he's the captain. So no other player for another team should be winning player of the season, in my opinion, here. City have blown everybody out of the water. So if we're judging it off that criteria, it should either be... Ilkay Gundogan, Ruben Diaz, or Fernandinho. And I'm not having any. Just <laughs> <laughs> chucking it a bit further. <laughs> well, he's the captain, isn't he? If Henderson can win it for oh, that that's reason. True. So uh, we know that you guys need to sort of catch up in terms of points in the Etihad's table. So we are going to include a debate with this week's podcast. So let's get right into that. We're going to do two debates today. And the first one is going to be all kind of uh, Etihad last game of the season sort of related. So if we go straight ahead into the first one, the first debate today is ahead of fans returning properly next season. Do you think Manchester City should be looking to finally expand the North Stand to three tiers to match the South Stand? Cameron, you've gone with no which is, means that James pretty much has to take up the option of yes. <laughs> so Cameron, since you went first with choosing the options there, why don't you go first to make your argument for the debate? I just think it's not the, it shouldn't be the main priority. It's going to cost a lot of money in a pandemic hit year and a half to, to do. And I think that money's just better spent elsewhere, like on a striker. Or, or, you know, just, just not having to worry about financing the seats when we've got holes to fill in the team. And on top of that, like, we're not going to have trouble filling the stadium when it's open again. So I, I don't think an extra 20,000 seats or whatever is going to make much difference in the long run. In fact, if you start building it, you're cutting down the capacity again when we need the stadium to be full. So I, I just... I'll be honest, I don't have much of an argument. <laughs> I just think it's it's not the time to do it and maybe we should wait a while till we're back in full swing and we've got a core to the team again that'll last us a few years where we can then think, 
All right, we now we can set aside the money to put the the new the top of the new stand on. James, what do you think about me? Um, before I get into my own opinions on it, I just want to pick up a couple of things Cam said there. Um, firstly, it'd be a separate pot of money to transfers. It, it, it'd be a separate thing, so I don't think it would affect transfers. Secondly, I think that's quite a short-term mentality, and that's not how this club works. You know, you look at the succession planning that we have, that it's not a case of, oh, shit, there's COVID now, so we, we'll change our plans. They're planning 10 years of the future of these things. Um, and you, you mentioned about capacity and it's not the right time. It's probably the best time because we're not at full capacity anyway. So we can move what fans, you know, I know it's the last game of the season anyway, but if there's a couple of games left, we could move the fans around to accommodate that. Plus we've got a summer off where they can actually do the work. So it, it makes a lot of sense in that respect. But why in general, I think they should do it is I think, as I said, they, they have a big picture the owners of this club in terms of like football domination in general. And besides the fact of the, the perception that we in quote lack numbers when it comes to fans, the demand is constantly growing. We're becoming more of a global brand and, you know, whatever we think in terms of opinions of that type of fan, as in it's more of a tourist type of fan, that's irrelevant. That was always going to happen with us becoming a big club. And I think we've shown as a club that we don't, rest on our laurels and we're always on the front foot making these decisions and I think the biggest part of this is there's a massive example across the road at Old Trafford in terms of an ownership model that had left their ground to stagnate and like for, I've, not, I've not been because I do not want to set foot in the place but by all accounts Old Trafford is falling apart um, it's, it's rusting, it's leaking it's knackered and a lot, a lot of ways in terms of business, it's a case of keeping going and not remaining stagnant. And that's exactly what's happened there. And I think besides the fact that our owners are so forward thinking, they've got a great example of what not to do just, just down the road. So I actually think it is quite, quite a smart decision to expand the North Stadium now, uh, North Stand rather now. I'm going to pick some holes myself here. It, it, not in specifically your argument, but uh, in your response to mine. I think it's nice. I mean, I didn't realise you were Omar Barada and knew exactly what our finances were being given to. <laughs> I've, uh, got him, I've got him stood behind me with a whiteboard, mate. Um, <laughs> I think it's naive to think, I, I understand we're in a club that thinks 10 years in advance. I think it's probably naive to think that COVID has not completely disrupted that 10-year plan. Uh, I don't think any club could have looked, could have factored that in, even us with our money. You mentioned Old Trafford being outdated and, and needing repairs. We don't want to be like that. Mate, our stadium was built 20 years ago. Theirs was built in 1910. So <laughs> I think we're not in as much need of, of update after 20 years as Old Trafford is, uh, which is now over 110 years old. <laughs> um, so it's quite clear that they do need an update. We don't, especially not right away. And you say um, we're not going to put another three, uh, another tier on that stadium in in the two months over summer. And if we come back to a stadium that's a, that can be filled and is at seventy five percent capacity, because they've cut off that whole stand, it's just not good business sense to do that when really we need to be getting in as much ticket money as we possibly can. Um, so I, I think. We should do it, but yeah, you're right. We should do it. We should become that 
club with 75,000 seats or whatever. I'm not even sure it would have that many seats to it. Because um, the last time I thought it had another 15,000 seats, it only turned out to be seven or eight. Um, but uh, it's we should do it. It's just not now. In a few years, once everything's back to normal, and we've like still we've got that core of the team where we don't need to be spending a lot of money on a player, then we could put money into fixing the stadium. It's just not needed right now. Just just on that last bit about it's not the right time. I, I agree that COVID's had an impact and. My bigger point was it won't have changed the plans completely. It might have knocked them down the road a tiny bit. Um, but the money will be there because of how we are running, who our owners are. There isn't ever a good time to expand the stadium. If, if you can't do it across the summer, then you're always going to disrupt an, an, an amount of fans. Um, and really, if you think about it, there'll be a lot of people that are desperate to get back to the ground. But there'll also be a section of people that are a bit reluctant. There also might be... Um, government regulations in place that we can't have full stadiums and you know as we go back we don't know how COVID's going to affect the next few months so in a way it's probably a safer bet and they've got a bit of an excuse to reduce the capacity just for the short term you know going into the autumn and the winter this year and you know it, it can be partly due to COVID and they can almost say we're expanding so that we can have a greater capacity due to this that there's never going to be a right time so they've almost got a bit of a get out of jail card, I think, at, at this moment in time to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're allowing full stadiums from 12th of June, right? Yeah, they are. The, but how so many times have we seen They're going to allow it. Change? Well, we haven't seen them change since they announced in April time. Yeah, that, but like this, for, for that. So but I this think is going into a summer, wait until we're going into a winter if COVID. So that's a whole separate debate. But we've seen there's, there's no. There's no better time, you say, to do it. But I think there's a better time where we've had one or two full seasons of attendance. Because I, I, like I say, there are people who aren't going to want to go because of COVID. But I don't think it's going to affect them being 50,000 people that want to go, basically. Right, okay, guys, I'm going to ring the bell there. I let that go in a little bit longer than I, than I usually do just because... I know you guys are fighting for the points and I wanted it to turn into a little bit of a brawl. So I'm but happy I, that I like that one. When, when I read that question, I was like, I'm not too sure about this question because I, did, I didn't think I could add anything to say on it really. And then I actually thought it turned into quite a good one. Yeah, yeah, I really like that debate. And I thought you guys did really, really well. I have not been happy with my performance as a debate judge in previous weeks. Usually what I end up doing is coming up with a judgment in the podcast and then while I'm listening back to it in editing I'm like oh fuck actually that guy made a really good point and I didn't <laughs> was I not well, paying you... full attention was I looking at like a squirrel outside the window who knows it's all right because you always split the points anyway so it just swapped out <laughs> yeah. exactly the same statistically I have done that I don't know if I'm going to do that today because I've got a new sort of criteria for judging this as we go throughout um, so I'm just gonna, oh, I'm no gonna right. come out and say who's won there straight away. And the debate this week went to James. Wow. And the reason why I did that was I, uh, he retitled your rebuttal a couple of times there, Cam, and just knocked off a couple of points that you'd said. I think you were at a disadvantage there, Cameron, because obviously you go first, so you don't have an opportunity to rebut what James has immediately said, which is why I allowed you a bit of time at the end as well. So I'm going to award the points there for the debate win to James. 
Last one. I think that the main argument against James would have been, and this is just my opinion, I'm not judging the debate on it, but it would have been, if we were going to expand the stadium, maybe we should have done it while there was no fucking fans in there whatsoever. <laughs> as long as it was still safe for him to play on the pitch. Oh, no, because I, I think the rebuttal to that is we were hit by COVID and should have been spending money <laughs> that we weren't earning back through ticket sales. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I disagree with the ruling, but I will accept it. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity, Cameron, first, because I'm going to go take a page out of James's book here. And I'm going to give you both an opportunity to guess what the cliches would have been, because nobody hit any. So, Cameron, there's a couple of cliches in there, so I'll give you um, one each. Cameron, if you want to go first and guess what one of the cliches would have been, you can get a point out of that. I'm going to, I'm going to lean heavily on an in-joke here. And I'm going to say it's something to do with Oldham Athletic not having a fourth stand. Oh, that would have been a fantastic cliche. But yeah. I think that was too specific. I wanted to keep the cliches quite general to give okay. you the opportunity to fall in. So that isn't a cliche. James, do you want to snap yeah. up? Empty out. Ding, ding, ding. James gets it again. So that's two points to James there. Oh, sorry, Cameron. To be fair, to be fair to Cam, to be fair to Cam, he's been awake ten minutes. Yeah, true. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think for being awake ten minutes, that was a good a good uh, response. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good debate, guys. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, a lot of meat to that. Let's see if the next one is going to be as good based on the choices that you both made. <laughs> I think uh, James is getting three points. So. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and do the second debate now as well so that's outside of the 9320 moment in game what has been your favorite final game of the season for manchester city and james you're going to go first on this one yeah so uh, i picked is the obvious one it's uh, the jesus goal against southampton that got us 100 points uh, the reason i picked that and i know cam also wanted that one um is because if, if you look at the special end of season, it is the 93-20 moment. Um, and that was special because of how it happened. It was, the fact that the result was on a knife edge and there was so much tension, uh, but then also the elation at the end of it, it was much better than, you know, winning a game, uh, winning the league with like 10 games to go or something that kind of peters out. It was, you know, your heart was racing. There's so many ups and downs. And I never thought we'd get close to that again. And it doesn't compare to 93-20, but as a, a good, solid number two, I feel like that Jesus goal against Southampton was up there. And that's because there was something riding on it. And it did happen in the last minutes of the game. And, you know, it, it was kind of the, the, the cherry on top for the team that season, that how well they'd performed. And you can see that in the way the players reacted, the way Pep reacted, how they just ran straight into the fans, Petron up and down the touchline. And I think as well, it was a really special moment for Jesus. I know we, we all like him as a guy, we like him as a player, we have our doubts on where he fits in the team in the long term, but I think we're all agreed what a, what a nice guy he is and how hard he works for the team. And he's, he's been behind Serge in that pecking order for so long, I think it was really special for him to have a moment and for him to have, you know, that he felt like he was king in those those minutes. And, you know, it's not the Aguero moment, but it's a really good second place, I think. 
Cameron, you have a different game in mind. One that's obviously well, your favourite, so it's near and dear to your heart. Why don't you tell me about your favourite? <laughs> I didn't pick game. the easy one, did I? Like, it's very <laughs> easy to pick that one. You know, the Johnny come lately is not the care about the title wins and stuff like that. Mate, you um, said to me you'd have picked that one if you could have gone first. <laughs> I don't know if there's any proof of that, huh? that you could uh, show up right now. Uh, not on the WhatsApp, no? <laughs> I, I picked... Um, a game that has lived long in my memory. Uh, a one-all draw at the end of one of the worst seasons of Manchester City football I've ever seen uh, against Middlesbrough at the end of the 2004-05 season. Uh, you should see Richard pinching the bridge of his nose while, while I'm saying that. Um, Richard, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, near the end of that game, we put David James up front. Oh, my God. Did, did you know that? Are you fucking um, kidding me? I've never uh, heard this anecdote in any podcast, Cameron. Why don't you regale us of this uh, this brilliant? That's pretty much the extent that uh, Stuart Pearce decided the best thing he could do was throw David James up front, and then the only thing he did while he was up there was foul someone. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember. He, he had the ball, did three spins on the ball that went nowhere, and then. Uh, lost it and then tackled the guy and then nothing else came of him being up front which was exactly emblematic of that entire game Um, but the reason I picked it was because it's it's typical City it's it's almost the name of our podcast (laughs) it is absolutely 100% the embodiment of a City game where at the time you were like this is the worst thing I've ever seen because I was at that game as well this is the worst game I've seen all season. And looking back at it, you just think, that's so funny. That is such a funny game to look back on. We, we were going to get into Europe for the first time in God knows how long. And we missed a penalty. Robbie Fowler <laughs> just put it straight towards Martin Schwartz, so we missed a penalty. We David James got banged up front. Stuart Pearce had his stupid little thing on the touchline. And I just think... What was that stupid little thing? <laughs> I want to say it was a unicorn, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, it's not what I'm basing the, the crux of my argument on anyway. So <laughs> I just think anybody could pick a, a, a title winning season, uh, as, as you know, anybody has. Uh, and I just think <laughs> it's not it's not quintessential City. It's not, again, as, he, as he'll, I'm sure he'll rebut in a minute, I'm fighting with my heart and not my head. Uh, it's the it's quintessential city, and a true city fan would pick a shit game. <laughs> is all I'm gonna <laughs> so there it is. One all. Kiki Masamba scored. What more do you need? These debates is yeah, it's just become a street fight at this point. I know you're <laughs> fighting for points, guys, but wow, James, what what have you got to say to that accusation? I think a true city fan would. Um understand that true city fans have gone through enough shit and don't need to relive stuff like that anymore and our success in recent terms is 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 fairly recent and we need to celebrate that and we need to talk about it instead of all the shit years and no one wants to talk about Stuart Pearce anymore and even though that's the third time he's been mentioning this podcast yeah I, I, I think can't effect- get enough. I think effectively Cam can't think of any other good season enders so went for the comedy option um I'll, I'll add another little nothing stat. funny about mine 
I'll add another little <laughs> stat into mine. Um, in that, that goal that Jesus scored, I was assisted by Kev, and actually that got him the top assists that league uh, that season as well. Um, so that was a nice little cherry on top of that. And the funny little element to that was he was vying with Sané for it. So they were going to share it up until the last minute of the game, and he, he nicked it off Sané in the end. So there's there's layers upon layers upon layers in terms of my argument. Um, Cam was talking about goalkeeper up front. He gets that all the time. And we scored over 100 goals before. It was better in the 108 goals where we in the in the season where you got won the championship. What about this? My game had a, had a final appearance of a city legend in it. Came on with the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Key Weaver in there while David James went up front. You know, it's got everything. And it's not, you know, Gabriel Jesus doing a chip. Do you know right, what? I, I don't even need to rebut it. I think I think it's the sign of a desperate man. Nice one, guys. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to ring the bell there. So the the way that I've been judging these... David James that plays second, just... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the bell's gone. So if that was a cliche, you've uh, you've stayed you've stayed clear yeah. of that. So the way that I've been judging these debates is basically every time that you make a salient point, you get like a one in your tally. And then every time somebody comes in and, and gives enough of a reason to rebut that, it knocks that tally point off. But you both made some some good arguments as to why it's your favourite. It doesn't need to be like statistically special or a great moment in Manchester City. It was down to it being your favourite like that was italicized in the in the question. Have you given me a difficulty multiplier? Yes, exactly. So uh, I feel like I haven't uh, probably even explained why the cliches are even important if, <laughs> to anybody who's not listened to a podcast before. Well, we've only got one listener anyway, so who cares? Basically, what I'm going to do here is there was a gal cliche that was hit, and it was hit by James. Oh, nice. And I'm not sure if it's a fair one or not because it was really only could have been specific to his choice, but I'd written this down before either of you chose it. And that was comparing the moment to 9320. Cause the question was like outside of 9320, what's your favorite? Come so, on. I mean, I mean based, based off my argument, it's based on question. I think I think I could have pulled off some mental gymnastics to compare Nicky Weaver uh, coming on to 9320. Cameron had some specific ones for him as well that was related to his. So the 9321 was the one that was written before the question was done. And then you each had like one each to hit during your... So Cameron was, if he compared David James to Edison in outfield in any uh, way... So I thought it was unfair to do the David James. So what I'm not I'm not going to do is I'm not going to uh, take a point off James for hitting the cliche because I, I do recognise that it was a bit specific, obviously, to his choice. But Cam is going to win the debate because you were joined on three salient points made. To, so I think that that just edges it out in for Cameron. James, how does it feel to lose to the one-all Middlesbrough game? <laughs> when I saw you... Tuesday. You had it in the palm of your hands. I, uh, I I was worried because I know how Richard loves a bit of nostalgia. And I kind of thought this... I'm the anti-nostalgia guy. <laughs> no, but, and he's got a scientific system. <laughs> no, but you two, you two love that, that period of time at City. And I think, like you say, it's a bit of 3D chess sometimes where the, it's, it's the obvious... 
argument or playing to the judge, which is completely fair. Um, so I was a bit suspicious when when you picked that one. Well, you were both tied for salient points. Yeah, what exactly. would have won it outright for Cameron was if he mentioned that we were at home, but we played in an away kit. <laughs> when <laughs> I watched, like, Krasnodar. yeah, I watched the uh, the match back and saw that, and um, <laughs> it's just like right. If Cameron knows enough about this that he's not just <laughs> choosing it because David James was outfield, yeah. then uh, he'll, that'll count. <laughs> but James, I, I think we have to make a decision here. By the way, I think that. Um, Richard's come up with a, a cliche and then kept it and then you hit it and then he's removed it. And I think that's bad judgmentship. And I think there's a point that could be knocked off here. Right, right, and that's the end of part one of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to cut the uh, cut the podcast off here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about all things Champions League final. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. Welcome back to part two of today's Topical City podcast. I feel a little bit like Julius Caesar on the floor of the Senate, to be honest, guys, because Cassius there, Cameron, was about to stick a knife in my back and it looked like you were going to join him there, Brutus, James. <laughs> All I'm going to say was... is I've made a debate error. I've fallen on my side. It's not even Caesar. It's like if Caesar stabbed himself when I've done it before. <laughs> so uh, that's all I'm going to say and then I'll leave it at that. You think it was an error, James? Um, where I stand is Richard graciously didn't dock me a point for hitting a girl cliche, so I'm going to... Uh... <laughs> Where I stand, I think you should have lost the point and he should have lost the point. <laughs> so, Richard, I think you and I should decide that Cameron loses two further points for trying to revolt. I can't get any worse, can I? <laughs> the attempted assassination. <laughs> I just, as long as our one listener knows that I have repeatedly fallen on my sword throughout this. That's whole through bench. clumsiness rather than anything. Mm. Some people might say that, some people <laughs> might say it's heroic. Right, guys, let's get to the business of why we're really here today. And it's to talk about the Champions League final. Manchester City finally got there. You know, the furthest that we've got previously was the semi-final. We went out like a damp squib to Real Madrid at the Bernabeu and then suffered humiliating quarterfinal losses after quarterfinal losses for years. And now we're finally in the Champions League final. How are you guys feeling about the enormity of the event that's about to come it creeps up on you you know i kind of i have i have a way of i try not to think about it until like the day of and then on the day i'll think of other things that are in the way beforehand you know just just like little tasks and things so so i'm not thinking about the actual event to stop myself going into like cold sweats um i was i went to scarborough and back for work uh this week so like a good few hours in the car and I started daydreaming about it and the positive sides of thinking of that article that Aguero um, was quoted in where he said I'm not going to leave City till I win the Champions League and like that just sent goosebumps down me as I'm like driving um, and then the idea of you can imagine we win it and instead of Fernandinho lifting it he gives it to Aguero to lift and like just all like moments like that was like making my heart just like you get palpitations and then the flip side of it occurred as well where I'm like I, I can't I can't sit there and 
watch us lose this. I can't handle that. We're, we're so good in finals normally, especially with Pep, that I, I can't I can't consider the fact that we might lose it, even though 90% of my brain is typical City fan and expect us to lose it. it none of it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Just to clarify, James, were you reading that article while driving? No, I wasn't reading it. I was thinking about it. <laughs> that article was three years ago. That, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that uh, that car crash you were talking about a couple of podcasts ago. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, maybe that was James's fault all along. No, I was reading a different interview that time. <laughs> Cameron, I know that you, you're very similar to me, James, in like the typical City fan thing. Has it occurred to you that we might actually win the Champions League? <laughs> But I've said previously in the last couple of weeks, I'm pretty confident. We've talked about it a lot, like as we want to do, seeing as it's the first time. And I'm weirdly confident about it. And I'm sure that'll erode the closer we get to the 29th. But I don't think there's a, unless we absolutely bottle it, we shouldn't be losing it. But then again, you never know, do you? So, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm more confident than the two of you guys. Were you messaged in the group, Cameron, after Chelsea's FA Cup win that do you think that this might be bad for Manchester City? Why do you think that? Uh, it's one of those things where whatever happened, there was a way to look at it that it was bad. Like if Chelsea would have won, it would have put confidence in them that they could beat, you know, anybody and then go on a win. If they'd have lost, it's getting their backs up and they've got a point to prove, you know. It, yeah. it, it could be literally anything. They could put a spin on it. So after I said that knee-jerk reaction of saying that, I was just like, I'm, I'm not of that mind anymore. We, 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 it's like Pep always says, you can't focus on what they're doing. you got to focus on what you can do. And what we can do is definitely beat that Chelsea team. It's just whether they actually turn up and do it. I like how Pep says we, we can focus on what we do and then in all of the big Champions League games, <laughs> he then falls into the trap of playing players. Not this season. Yeah, yeah, not this, yeah, season, not this season. You are right. James, you're going to the Everton game today mm-hmm. at the Etihad, the first time that you've been able to go there in ages. Were you holding out any hope that you could go to the Champions League final as well? No, I don't think so. Just like personal circumstances, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't feasible, really. A little one on the way and all that. Um, and there was some... I, I'm completely stealing this from a steam company, but it's true. Like, I'm just really looking forward to sitting watching it with my dad. Um, nice. You know, like, you're not really able to sit and watch a match together properly, even since, like, restrictions have eased a little bit, still not managed to do it yet. But the range that all the family's going to come down and watch it together and try and have a bit of a moment, hopefully, with that. Um do you know, you, you just touched on the the um, the Chelsea game and what impacts that might have. I've been thinking a little the bit FA about... The FA Cup one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking a little bit about the last couple of games that City have played. So, obviously, like Newcastle and Brighton, where we shipped a load of goals. Um, and I, I see how that's made people worry and oh, we've suddenly started conceding goals. I think any other team, that's a fair representation. But it seems to be that whenever we stumble it sharpens everyone up you know when when, when the team drops a bit of a bollock it's it's where the pep refocuses or they it just makes them aware that they've slipped and it actually gives me more confidence rather than if we were going battering teams 5-0 5-0 I think we might have gone into a bit of a oh yeah we're just smashing this and take the foot off the gas a little bit so I almost kind of now that it, 
that those games didn't matter anyway. I don't care at all that we conceded goals. If anything, I probably prefer it. Do you think I'm a bit mad with that? I don't. What about you, Cam? No, like like I said, these games have been non-starters, so I don't think they've got literally any bearing on what's going to happen in the final. So, Specific circumstances in each game as well, which hopefully won't be the case against Chelsea, like the sending off for Cancelo and playing with 10 men. The play in Eric Garcia, so practically playing with 10 men against Newcastle. So, you know, it's, it's exceptional circumstances, which hopefully we won't suffer from in the Chelsea game. But with Chelsea, we've lost to them twice recently in the FA Cup semi-final and then again in the league. Obviously, Pep didn't show his whole hand for these games, but do you think that that weighs on the mind of Manchester City players going into this? And more importantly, do you think that that bigs up the Chelsea players thinking that, look, we've beat this Manchester City team twice within two months. We can just go and do it again in Porto. I don't think they're stupid enough to think that either of those teams are going to be what they play in the final. So I, I, I'd i be very surprised if Tuchel was naive enough to think we've beat City twice. That means we can beat their best team on, on any given day. So I, I think it, they'll be as cautious. I think they'll, I think he's like Guardiola where he'll play the same way that he always plays. I just don't know if he'll think he'll be as effective and I don't, I don't think he'll be thinking we've got one over on him. I don't think Tuchel will be thinking that, but I think the Chelsea players might well be. I reckon their rallying cry in the dressing room before the game is, we've beat these twice recently, lads, let's go out there and do it again. What he strikes me as like a bit of a drill sergeant, though, so I think he probably won't let them right, right. think that. He won't let them get their head up and think that. So I honestly think that they'll just be approaching as, we've not beat this city. I think obviously two wins against City is, will get your dander up a little bit, but I just think they're not stupid enough to think that you know what I think I think it's all based on City's approach in that I think City have such an elite mentality at the minute that that's going to dictate everything else so I think our players are going to go out supremely confident supremely sharp and aware and that almost forces Chelsea into that underdog's role despite beating us twice because even though they did beat us twice, I still felt that they were the underdogs in that. And we, and like you say, we had mixed, you know, teams in terms of it wasn't the, the starting eleven. I, I, I just feel that the narrative before it, with the pundits and everything, will be that Chelsea are the underdogs, and that's mm. because it's it's supremely the Guardiola and how well City have done, and you know we've been building up to this. And actually, because it's our first one, Chelsea won it. Is it a couple of times? And then, once, and once yeah. But they've been in a couple of finals, haven't they? Yeah, they won the Europa League final two years ago in Baku. Right. I thought they'd lost a final as well, a Champions League final. Maybe I'm wrong. Because um, I thought John Terry... Uh, yes, they did against yeah. Manchester United. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, you um, mean they've been there, they've not lifted the trophy, but they've yeah, been in the final, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like... I know it's a different team as in players and managers and stuff, but... I just think mentality-wise, City are just going to go into this so elite and that's that's going to force, the power of that is going to force Chelsea to be perceived as underdogs. Maybe some of their squad will feel that way. You know, they've got some young players there and they're not that settled with the manager. He's still quite new. It's just whether they can use that perceived underdog tag to there, their advantage. There's also the mentality issue of 
that your hope might come in that Tuchel's been to two Champions League finals and lost them both. Mm-hmm. One with uh, one with Dortmund, one with PSG, I think. Maybe so we, you, you've got the battle there between Tuchel and Pep as well. Um, I seem to remember hearing that Tuchel was Pep's choice to replace him at Bayern Munich, but that um, Bayern decided to go ahead and, and not listen to him and get Carlo Ancelotti in anyway. The tactical battle between them two, obviously, I think I remember seeing a statistic that Pep's only lost one final that he's ever been during his entire managerial career. <laughs> so do you think that we, we spoke briefly about Pep overthinking things and he hasn't done it too, so far this season? How do you think this measures up tactically with manager against manager here? Because I, I think that you're both on the same wavelength as me, is that we both rate Tuchel really highly as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I think PSG is a blip for any manager. You can look at Pochettino there now and it's trying to corral a bunch of wild kids, isn't it? And I I don't think that can be held against Tuchel. I know he did well there, but he eventually got sacked, didn't he? He's a very good manager and I would not be uh, against him being a city manager one day. That's that's how highly I rate him. I think it's such a tough battle with Pep because it depends where he is mentally. And often he has so much respect for an opposition, whether that be a team or a manager, that that's what makes him overthink things. And that's what's made him make some of these crazy uh, tactical decisions in the past. You know, he's he's had so much respect for Klopp and Liverpool that he will put Gundo on the right wing or play through at the back or whatever it may be. And really, I think... As I said, that I feel that like this is in City's hands in terms of mentality. I think if Pep can control himself, and he has done so far in the Champions League, and pick the right team and be level-headed and be that wiser Pep Guardiola, I think he, he wins that tactical battle with Tuchel. But on the flip side, Tuchel has got that unexpected element that can cause Pep to... Basically, if he can trigger Pep, that, that's where mm. the difference lies for me. Yeah. Cam, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think, I don't know if I've seen a manager as suited to Guardiola, like playing against him, just in terms of that fast, really fast, like sometimes faster than Liverpool counter-attacking football where they'll just be on you as soon as you make a mistake. And that that is our biggest weakness a lot of the time. Having said that, it's not something we, we usually have that much trouble with, but hopefully with our best team, with... Walker against Pulisic and and that sort of thing, then then it, it won't be as bad. But I do think he's more of a match than most people would be. I don't think I could ever really take Tuchel being Manchester, future Manchester City manager if he's still got that barnet on his head. Like I, as a guy with a receiver, like it makes me far too uncomfortable watching him, like, especially when it rains. I mean, fuck me, guy, just shave it off or do a Conte, please, please. <laughs> So we touched on a few Chelsea players there that might cause City a bit of a threat. I think we all hope that Timo Werner's going to play. Because <laughs> at least I don't think that Stones and Diaz need to give him as much energy as they gave Haaland, which allows like the likes of Bellingham and Rius to, to come in around the back and slip in and score a goal. Do you, who do you reckon James is going to be the biggest threat that Chelsea are going to pose to City's back line? And how do we counter that without overthinking things? 
See, I, I've mentioned on previous podcasts my worry about Chelsea, and as Cam touched on, that the pace of which they can attack us deeply concerns me. And I know he kind of made a joke about Timo Werner there. He, he puts the fear of God in me, and not necessarily for his finishing, but for his pace. There, there will be points in this game where he's one-on-one and he's through. And the saving grace... The only reason he'll be one-on-one is because he's 50 feet offside. <laughs> but either way, he's going he's gonna to get your heart racing, isn't it? And it's going to be, was it, you know, there are, was it offside, was it not? That I'll be surprised if they can keep them quiet in the same way they could keep someone like Harold quiet. Um, mm. You know, on the flip side, we kept Mbappe quiet, so maybe I'm talking out my arse. Um, but maybe that's because of how big a player he is. There's a bit more focus on him. I think something that probably isn't mentioned enough by us is Chelsea defensively. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on their defensive record, but I know when we've played them recently, they've been very solid. You know, people like Rudiger have had like the game of the season against us. And I don't rate him as a top, top player, but he can have a good game. Um, but I'm going to have to take uh, a leaf out of Phil Foden's book here and say, uh, N'Golo Kante for me. It's the easy answer, but it's the truth. The guy's a world-class player. He's yeah. got he's got an engine that is he's matched by none, I don't think. And even though we have Fernandinho there, he's got a couple of years on Fernandinho and he's a bit quicker. Um, and he does pop up with a goal against us on occasion as well, doesn't he? You know, he, he's not just doing a Nigel de Jong and going side to side in front of that back four. He's everywhere on that pitch. And I, I agree with you. I'm not as worried about him defensively. But he's been scary going forward. Like he's got this this forward play that you've never seen him have, mm. and he's quite scary in and around the eighteen yard box at the moment. So I'm, I'm scared of that. But I, I have to disagree. I think their danger man is Mason Mount. I, I'm terrified of playing Mason Mount because he, he's just very very good. And also weirdly, Ziyech plays really well against City. Yeah, shocking against everybody else. He's yeah. so bad against the rest of the league. But when he plays us, Ziyech turns up, and I'm worried about that as well because he he can put the ball at a sixpence. And I'm, I'm fit. I think if um, if Pulisic yeah. was to play as well, uh, Pulisic, however you pronounce it, I think that he's a real danger man too. He's just got that pace, technical ability on the ball. It reminds me a lot of Bernardo Silva. Mm-hmm when you just watch him play. Uh, and I think that Reese James at right back as well, um, they're going to recreate, obviously, with Phil Foden on left wing, they're going to recreate that photo of them playing against each other as kids. <laughs> and we'll see if Reese James is going to do a, a better job than Matty Cash at uh, <laughs> keeping Phil Foden under control. Double pivot? Double pivot, anybody? <laughs> oh, fuck me. If, if the double pivot involves Rodri, then no. Yeah. <laughs> And we'll get onto that now because obviously we are all going to pick, I think, the exact same lineup as each other. So usually when we predict the starting 11s, we take it in turns and there has to be at least one player's difference. But for the Champions League final, we're all just going to send in our teams at the same time. And we they can be the same. And I think we are all going to pick the same team. But is there anybody who has shown anything in the last couple of weeks or that could potentially usurp somebody to get in a place? And is there anybody who's performed badly, which means that you really don't think that they're going to start in the Champions League final? Cam, what do you I think, think, mate? I think the only person... I don't think anybody's performed badly enough because they've not played since the PSG, like, really. 
Um, I don't think there's anybody who's performed badly enough to drop out. But I think if if there was one person who who maybe possibly deserved to get in, and I don't think he's anywhere near, but I think he's the closest. I think Ferran Torres might be an option um, up front um, while he's doing well. Could four goals in his last three or something, right? Um, so he's an option. Should any of the four, because because the way we play, if any of that forward line gets injured, including the three midfielders, or at least two of the midfielders, they could all just slot into each other's places. So you could very easily put Ferran Torres in for one of those five players um, and just rejig Mares to false nine or, or whatever, um, or even put Torres at striker. But I, I don't think anybody needs to drop out and I don't think anybody else has really played well enough to get into the 11. James, what do you think, mate, especially bearing in mind that there's the potential injury concerns of even Gundogan and De Bruyne, even though it's not been specified with Gundogan, uh, he, he definitely had problems in that Brighton game. Yeah, I think I think Pep's going to play both of those guys. It's, it's the last game of the season. They're going to make sure they're fit. You know, as long as nothing goes wrong today, touch wood at Everton, that it is going to be that team that played against PSG. Um, the only, I feel like the, the squad's in three categories and there's the that PSG team, then there's the guys that haven't got a chance, so the likes of Mende, Ake, you know, Garcia and the rest. And then there's that little bubble in the middle that you can kind of put Torres in, Cancelo maybe, despite form, Sterling... Um, Rodri. And, and Rodri, yeah. So I feel like those those four are kind of the middle ground. And let's face it, I don't think either of any of the four will make the starting eleven. Um, but they did, you know, despite the shocking BT commentary on the I think it was the Brighton game, what what they did say was the players are going to be vying for not only the starting eleven, but the first sub. And you've got to think of your pep and we need to change the game and we need to bring someone on to get a goal. If you're looking at Torres, as Cam said, he's in form at the minute, which, you know, mm-hmm. obviously is an important factor, but he's also a young lad that goes missing in games. And does he go, does Pep go for that sort of knee jerk of Torres, you know, because of those reasons? Or does he go with true tried and tested Raheem Sterling, who's out of form, but he's got the pedigree and he scored a stupid amount of goals for Man City and now this is the time to step up. And I think that's that's going to be the biggest decision for Pep that when he makes a change. Yeah. And you could even throw Aguero into that mix if he's fit. You know, who's the guy that comes on to get the goal if we need it? Torres, Aguero, Sterling. Aguero would help Cameron's bet, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm betting on it. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm praying on it, especially now. I think the, the thing that I really don't hope is that Gabriel Jesus plays because it would just be that who can be offside the most out of Werner and Jesus, and it'd just be like free kicks. In <laughs> he says a lot, area I, I didn't even include him in that, that middle ground. Yes, there. yeah. And that, that wasn't an intentional thing. It just shows where it seems that Pep's head is at with Jesus at the minute. Nice. So we're not obviously we're not going to do a predicted eleven because we're recording this before even the Everton game, so we don't know what's going to happen. We'll, we'll do that. Um, we'll sort that out just before the Champions League final. But I would like to get a predicted score from each of you today, just to put the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit. 
Why don't we start with you, Cameron? How do you think this Champions League final is going to go? Am I getting first dibs? Yes. If this is official, then yes, you get. Or maybe we can each choose the same prediction as well. But yeah, I think you so. get you get first dibs today. One 0 Manchester City. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Handle that. The stress of that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, three one. Three one. Wow. Wow. Okay. Nice one. I'm the confident I'm gonna... one as well. <laughs> I know, but I'm just doing that for my own mental health. Like I can't. I couldn't sit and watch that with 85 minutes gone and it's 1-0 to City and Sergio Aguero comes up yeah I, I just I just couldn't I just I'm just praying for something that I can sit back and enjoy the last yeah. few minutes of the Champions League final with City winning it I'm going to go for 2-1 I think that City are controlling the game uh, 1-0 for, for much of it but obviously it's squeaky bum time for much of the game and then we get, maybe we get a goal, the next goal or Chelsea do. But I think ultimately we still come out winners. But I just can't see a scenario where Chelsea don't score. And I think that yeah. that's what's worrying me the most about this. So um, good for you though, Cameron. Faith in our imperious defence and goalkeeper there. Nice one, mate. Maybe I, just, I, can't see, I can't see Ruben Diaz not putting in that shift again that he put in against PSG. Yeah, so, for, yeah. for me, I, I have absolute ultimate faith in... Stones, Diaz and Fernandinho. It's literally that overlap that I'm worried about where if, um, you know, Bernardo can't, doesn't track back in enough time or Gundogan gets robbed or something like that and then they hit us on the break and and overlap, this, that's that's my biggest concern. This implication that there's no ultimate faith in Alexander Zinchenko after the last three weeks of podcast we've done. <laughs> I have, I do have faith in Zinchenko too. I, I also didn't mention Kyle Walker, but I, you know I, I've got faith in him as well. I just hope that he doesn't. To be fair, if anybody's going to drop a clanger, penalty, if anybody's going to drop a clanger in that final, it'll be Kyle. Even though he's had an, an imperious season and he's done really well, if anybody is going to make that mistake, or Edison, if anybody's going to make a mistake in the final, it'll be Edison rushing out, or it'll be Kyle Walker doing something wrong. Well, he's not covering for Eric Garcia, is he? So um, I think that that's the biggest thing that, that cost us in those oh, games, God. including Newcastle as well, as much as Nathan Ake got criticism. But we're not doing those reviews. We're going to, um, I think this is a good place to end it, guys, because big ups is a Champions League final. I'm going to be there in Porto, but I'm going to be surrounded by Chelsea fans. So I'm going to uh, find you some know, way. Do you know whether you're allowed in the ground yet? No, I don't know, but we've the people who are going to Manchester United and doing their fan travel, they've got tickets for that. So fingers oh, crossed, really? I'll be in there. But I don't know what would be worse being sat with the fans <laughs> in the stadium when City score, or like so. I'll, I'll judge that on the day. I'm going to check with EE what my um, mobile plan is for watching BT Sport on 4G abroad. <laughs> <laughs> It'll end up being the same price as a cat one ticket, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. Right, so that's the end of this podcast, guys. Like we could be celebrating being Carabao Cup champions again, Premier League champions again, and for the first time in Manchester City's history, the Champions League champions, champions of Europe. The real treble, if you ask me, because everyone knows the Carabao Cup is worth so much more than the fuck-all cup. 
Agreed. <laughs> just a few things. Exactly. Just a few things to run through before we finish. And of course, we will be doing more podcasts after the Champions League final for the review and then going through some more important things uh, that are relevant at the time, topical city podcasts and everything, including Harry Kane, Sergio Aguero specials and that kind of thing later on. So keep an eye out for those. I think we might Anything also else? try and finish off the James and Richard combined 11 all in one for those yeah, who yeah. care about that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So uh, before we go, actually, um, we've been talking about the Etihad's table. Is there any big boy bets that you guys want to make right now on the podcast ahead of I'm the Champions League final? So Cameron, you're just doing that one for five points and seeing if that can yeah. get put you. Put me on two. If I, if I get it now, it'll put me on two. Yes, yeah, put you on two after this week's podcast. James, have, have you got anything in mind or should we keep an eye out on the Twitter page for that? What would you give me for a further red card? Oh, it's very... <sighs> Is that three points, Cameron? What do you reckon? Because I, I well, said a red card that, for anybody and that got two points for the PSG game, so it has to be worth more. The number that immediately jumped to my head was uh, four when he said it. I'll take, I'll take um, four points. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's do four. That, that's fine, right? So you got two big boy bets there. Cameron, that Sergio Aguero will score the winning goal in the Champions League final. It's going to be, a, if he's also picking 1-0, that's going to be a bit interesting. So Sergio Aguero <laughs> comes on in like the 89th minute at a 0-0 game and, <laughs> and wins the game. And just James want to put a little caveat to my... Fernandinho. Okay. That it's going to drop no, points. If I, I, no, so like that's point A, and I want point B, that I picture this red card being Timo Werner clear through on goal. We're winning 1-0, 85 minutes gone, and Fernand just hacks him the fuck down and takes the I red mean, card. If that's your caveat, I'd give you 10 points for that. <laughs> that's very specific. In fact, I need to clarify something. Is it a straight red or is it he's any sent, kind of sense? He's sent off. I, I think that's three then. Oh, I, no, I agree with it. If, if it was a straight four. red, it's four. If it's a straight red, it's four. But if it's two... <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a straight red as well, James. It, but if you are adding the amendment on for Timo Werner, that would be a straight red, wouldn't it? I just meant I, that's how I pictured it. I, that's how I could see right, it. Okay. I could see Werner being sensible enough. To make a decision, it's like I don't care if I get sent off. This is the, the smart decision here. So judgment time, James. Straight red or double yellow included. So what is it? Four for a straight red, three for a double yellow. I might as well go for a double yellow, aren't I? At that point. <laughs> All right. Well, the double yellow for three points then, and that's the end of that big boy bet. That's not nowhere near going to put you uh, ahead of me unless I really fuck up the lineup uh, for the Everton game and the Champions League game and, and lose some points. So there will and be I a, think big, a boy big boy bet, boy bet. from yep, me as well. Go. Yeah. I never Just said to make that was it a last... little bit more interesting, but obviously I'm under no pressure here to do this. It's I've. I'm top of the table and it's You're not my pressure. responsibility to make you guys look good. <laughs> I, I've also not said that that's my last big buy bet of the final. Interesting. Well, we'll keep an eye out on at Topical City Pod on Twitter and we'll have more information of that ahead of the Champions League final. Cheers for James, this today, uh, guys. You think it's both teams to score 20 plus booking points? <laughs> don't, speech, don't mate, don't do that. <laughs> don't. I can't. You can't treat this podcast like your Betfred account. <laughs> Sponsored by Betfred. <laughs> it was money. Right, okay, <laughs> guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Up the blues and Sunji, bye. 
Sunji, bye. bye.